dry January. Who's got time for a dry January? I got a podcast to host here. <laughs> Happy New Year. Welcome to a new season, a new year of Where Wine Takes You, a podcast that is specifically dedicated to sharing the stories and the people that make Paso wine country so special. I'm your host, Adam Montiel. Now, this space is for anyone that has ever sipped a Paso Robles wine, anyone that has ever visited Paso, maybe lives, works in Paso, shoot, has heard of Paso and knows it's not in Texas. And knows not only that there is world-class wine country to wrap your arms and head around, but a lifestyle, a community, and a vibe that is unmistakable, that is one of a kind, and is waiting for you to show you more. This is a podcast about wine, it's about places, and it's about people. It's about the why, the how, the who, and it's for anyone. So thank you for sharing this podcast with those who you think should jump on board, but I am very thankful that you are here. Whether it's our first time together with many more ahead or you are returning, welcome back. We are getting some great feedback, and I encourage you to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Since we last spoke, there was a full-page ad for the podcast in Wine Enthusiast Magazine, which was beyond exciting. Thank you to Paso Wine. Also, there has been some interest from other podcasts to feature what we do on their shows. So 2021 is most certainly going to be an exciting year to see where wine takes us. So I'm glad you're here for the ride. You can always offer feedback, even a question with a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I love reading these and answering any questions you have. Uh, let's see what we got here before we get into today's show. PWB in NYC says, makes me excited for when we can travel again. Gotta get to Paso. Uh, Firefly Recovery said, found this podcast and have been spreading the word to many friends. My wife and I refound our love for Paso during COVID and have been up there three times in the last five months. This podcast is like a good roadmap of who to track down on our next adventure. I love that. Uh, Coke 63, as a newbie in the world of wine, this podcast not only taught me the basics, but goes in depth on what makes Paso wine world-class. Adam's passion for wine and conversational tone makes you feel like you're sharing a glass of wine with friends in your living room. An absolute must listen. Coke, thank you so, so much. Uh, Janice Denner, Adam is a superstar and applies his talent to the Paso wine industry as a local wine industry member. I'm loving this podcast. It's full of interesting information. It's energetic and fascinating to hear the personalities behind the brands. Now, speaking of personalities behind the brands, Janice Denner is a personality behind a brand. She is fantastic. Her wine, Pelletieri, is unreal. She's so sweet, so giving. I do a I do a charity thing at Christmas for uh, needy family every year with my morning show. She's always involved. I just love Janice Denner, and this was really sweet just to kind of go into the Apple Podcast app and see that Janice wrote this. Uh, check out Pellet Cherry Wine, and I would love, just love to have Janice on this podcast. Uh, finally, from AEFSYS, who knows how to say that, uh, really enjoyed this podcast. We have a second home in Paso, and the podcast really captures the people, winemakers, and wineries a must listen before visiting the area. Adam does a great job. Well, thank you very much, Aophysis, or however we say that. It's probably a bunch of initials. Those were awesome. So thank you for you know reaching out, 
rating, hitting that subscribe button, and especially for taking the time like these folks did to write a review. You have no idea how much it makes my day to share these. Okay, so today's episode, today's episode has history, it has torch passing, it has stories of not only making Paso wine stronger, but this brand's story is planned to making California wine stronger. It's about family, like many who have come to Paso seeking a different pace, a lifestyle, and a desire to pursue a passion for winemaking and will stop at nothing to make it happen. It's families and stories like this one today that make it easy to understand why so many people are doing what these guys did, but they did it over 40 years ago when virtually no one was here. So they were, by all accounts, one of the first to even do it. Today we're talking about Peachy Canyon Winery. We're going back to the late 70s, early 80s, where Doug and Nancy Beckett came here and started something so special. It lit a fire under many more to do literally the same thing. There's actually a website some friends of mine started here called the Wine History Project. And to get some of the history is so cool of this area. And if you ever wanna kind of virtually experience the history in Slow County, visit winehistoryproject.org, see what I mean. I even use this site to prepare for this conversation because the history of Doug Beckett in the wine game and as a pioneer in Paso is so rich. The website served as really a great resource. So shout out to Libby, Heather, the team, the founders, the advisory board of the Wine History Project because it's really exciting to see what these folks have come up with and it is a great resource, winehistoryproject.org. Now, Originally and forever, a Zinn house, Peachy Canyon grew over the years to make and become popular for more than just Zinfandel, which you're going to hear today. Doug and Nancy's two sons, Josh and Jake Beckett, have also earned their rightful place in this business as leaders here in Paso and abroad. They are respected in the wine biz, and I'm excited to have everybody around a table. It's interesting to see where wine took them because they were both doing their own thing. Wine brought them back to Paso. Then they created their own brand, Chronic Cellars, which took off like a rocket. They embodied Paso with edgy and original label art. Names for their wine, you can barely keep a straight face without smiling and reveling in the genius of their innuendo, but also embodying Paso because they simply did what they wanted. They blended, played with, grew, and bottled whatever they wanted, and it was world-class wine. But like their dad, more than good wine, they built a brand that would even outlast them. It was actually acquired several years ago, AKA Cha-Ching. But the story gets even better because later the boys, as Doug and Nancy affectionately call them, would be taking the torch of Peachy into the next chapter. To understand this is far from mom and dad handing a torch to their sons. It is so much deeper than that. And I'm so thankful you are going to see that in today's episode and hear that in the conversation today. So I show up to Doug and Nancy's house. Shoot, ah, oh, another backyard hill surrounded 360 degrees by vineyards. Yeah, today's really gonna suck. We don't talk to Nancy in this show, but you can't meet the family and not understand the glue that she is. She is as sweet and as genuine as they come. She is a light. She has a talent and love for dance and the arts. She's a survivor. And every good thing you see in Doug, Josh, and Jake, you know at some point she must have had at least something to do with it. 
So who do we have in this conversation? We have Doug Beckett, two sons, Josh and Jake Beckett, now the leaders of the Peachy Canyon brand. Also Skylar Stuck, who is behind operations and distribution and just about everything else. Oh, and by the way, the Beckett family, just named by the Paso Robles Wine Country Alliance as Wine Persons of the Year. Who's feeling peachy? Give me that mm-hmm sound. We'll get by. We pass on down till the job is Get out in the trees. It will simplify good company. Cheers to the Beckett family. Look at this. Cheers. This is something. It's literally been 10 years. Jake and Josh, since we sat down and really like got down and dirty like this, it was one of the first seasons for shows. I think it was show number two, two. of mm-hmm. the Cork Dorks, mm-hmm. and I think I see about as many bottles up here on this ledge, <laughs> yeah. as I did that day. That was a doozy vertical that yeah. day. It was about it was I think it was ten. We got thirteen today or fourteen. So, so that was a ten-year vertical. Yeah, and that's what I really hope someone who is listening is going to get and digest after this conversation, and that is. The history here is profound. It's it's so Paso, and you can't talk about the history of Paso or even the evolution of Paso and the Beckett family and Peachy Canyon not be in that conversation. That's Absolutely. exciting. It is. It is. And we've, you know, there's history so much in this town. And even yesterday, I saw Noreen Martin on a Paso Wine Alliance on our board meeting. And I haven't seen Noreen since I was a kid. <laughs> And she's like pointing at me through the camera, like, oh my gosh. And I was, you know, 20 some years, 20, 25, (laughs) 30 years ago. We go on ski trips with her kids and stuff before the hotels, before, you know, back in AR furniture days and stuff like that. And now here we are. Well, I'm excited that we got dad here. Doug Beckett is uh, in the mix, and I'm very happy to have you. Thank you for the time, and uh, I, you know you've been on the air with me a bunch. We've always had a good time, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to this conversation, Doug. Well, so am I, and it's great to have you here, and uh, thanks for including us. And and uh, yeah, it's it's been a long road. It's been a lot of fun and uh, a lot of stories and. You know, you've got to watch the boys grow up just like I did. And uh, I got to watch you grow up. (laughs) (laughs) Now, this has really been an interesting year. I mean, did you think that you retired really at the perfect time? Because this was a really chaotic year to probably be um, mixed in with everything going on. I, I don't uh, I don't think I would have had the strength that Josh and Jake have to pull this off. It's been a very trying year, very testing. I mean, when in in addition to to being concerned about our wines, uh, we're even more concerned about our employees yeah. and what are they going to be doing, and and uh, so it's been a it's been a real challenging year for for both of the boys. I think they've done an incredible job, and and uh, you know Skyler is still with us, and uh, because he's the kind of person we want to keep, uh, even though we can't put him on the road right now where where we want him, but uh, that's that's how we've always. Uh, tried to run our business and it's kind of like paying ahead a little bit here and uh, so that challenging year is going to pay off and and I think we'll uh, 
in the long run, we're going to benefit from it. We're going to grow from it. Jake, what was this year like, you know, from your perspective as far as this first year that you and Josh have taken over kind of uh, the managing partnership of the winery really hit the ground running? I know we've talked off the air, both of us, about all the ideas and what we're doing next. I mean, and I could see the excitement in you guys, but, you know, this was like a big stick in the spokes for a lot of folks, uh, COVID. Yeah, yeah. So it was tough. We're actually... We're coming up on two years now. It was April 2019, and we had all these great ideas when Mom and Dad first retired. And April 1st, we thought this might be some sort of April Fool's joke yeah. when he announced <laughs> stepping away. You but, chose April 1st, Doug. <laughs> but 20, yeah, 2020 has been wild. You know, Skyler and I had all these, uh, you know, expectations of ourselves as far as where we were going to travel and how we we're going to promote and rebrand ourselves, and it just stopped it just never happened so it was it's been frustrating um and we've had to just sort of put on our our patient hats and do the things we can do and accept the things that we can't do and just move forward and not throw our hands up and say you know to heck with it so just try and find the the ways we can still you know get our names out there and get the wines out there it's given us time to rebrand ourselves as far as our imagery our labels we've been working on those this morning we're tasting through the 2019 wines because we're rewriting uh the labels on the back and things like that so we just we found other things you know we discovered outdoor touchless tastings this new experience at our tasting rooms which is now turned off again but so another we just keep hitting these walls but we push through but that's turned into Let's a buy a really bunch of cool heaters and then not be allowed to yeah. use them. <laughs> let's get tables. Let's get chairs. Let's put a new bathroom. Right, let's no, do all sure. this. So, you know, we're just kind of learning as we go. It's hard to forecast what's coming next. And I think it's just we've learned that it's just important to just push on and move forward yeah. and, and um, you know, glean the good things. And kind of felt like we were sitting on our hands at first. And, sure. and we're finding, you know, we're finding ways. We're still here. You got to keep creative. Skylar and I know, you know, I mean, I remember you five, six, seven years ago when I first got a chance to meet you. And I love talking ideas with you. And I think the last time that we were at a real event, it was with you, Skylar. We're at World of Pinot Noir in uh, March of 2020. I think this was just a baby, everything COVID related. So all of the, the ramifications and restrictions and all of the ways, especially someone who does a job like yours, uh, uh, we didn't even know all of the limitations and the one hand tied behind your back and all this kind of stuff, sometimes both you would have to be dealing with. How is an, an idea man, uh, one who's definitely into action, like Doug noted, traveling, working the market, how have you uh, kind of treated COVID and how has have you reeled from it uh, personally within the confines of Peachy? Well, I've become a real fan of lemonade. <laughs> um, as Jake was alluding to earlier, he and I had plans. We, and I think that we together have about $5,000 in American Airlines travel credits because we had literally hotels and airplane tickets booked to go all over the country and, and support our, our wholesale distribution network. And we didn't make one trip. I mean, I didn't get one in the bag. So, you know, I think that if uh, necessity is the mother of invention, the fact that we had our hands tied as far as traveling around the U.S., uh, forced us to focus more on our DTC business and how we're going to market. We have a new wine club manager, a new tasting manager. It's pretty much everybody in the tasting room is new from a year ago, and it's really been quite excellent. Uh, Jake mentioned the outdoor. You know, the outdoors had always been available for picnics, but we'd never done organized, systematic tastings outside. And I think that it was, a, well, I know it was a huge success. We got tons of accolades and, and it created more word of room. mouth and reference. Yeah. And so 
it's we realize that we have a real amazing asset under that you know hundred plus year old oak tree surrounded lawn, and that's going to be a big focus for us. Uh, this year when we can get people coming again. Well, just like the roots of that oak tree, the roots of the Beckett family and Peachy Canyon and Paso Wine are just as strong. It's it's amazing. You know, not only does Zinfandel sit as the heritage grape of Paso, it's the heritage grape of California, but it is the heritage grape of Peachy Canyon. You've always been a Zin house. Was, was there a conscious decision at the time, Doug, to stake your claim to Zin? What was it? I want to kind of go back in time, time travel a little bit, to the late 70s, early 80s, and the beginning of Peach Canyon. Well, the honest story is that, that uh, when I met Pat Wheeler, who had just started up uh, Tobias in the early 80s, 1881, 81, 82, we had just come into the area, and he was working with Zinfandel. It was the only grape that he could afford, and it was the only grape that... that that's where I really cut my teeth. And, and so I, I, I got to reach out, you know, give an attaboy to Pat Wheeler for introducing us to the grape. And then in, in a relatively short period of time, it became real apparent that if Peachy could specialize on one grape to start and build a reputation, it would be easier to go into other varietals, work with other grapes and other blends. So, you know, the, the, uh, the Doozy Ranch was available. Uh, Ridge was getting... 99% of the fruit, but they allowed Benny to sell to what he called a couple of his home winemakers. So we were able to get a couple of tons. Once we start getting more, the, as everybody is aware, a number of years later as we were growing, um, we got cut out of that vineyard. I, th I think Ridge uh, started seeing our wines in the marketplace and said, you know, Ben, and, and Ben, out of respect and out of their long-term relationship, uh, I think did what they asked him to, and there was never any hard feelings. It's interesting because we, we hear names like Ridge, also uh, Kent Rosenblum used a lot of uh, Paso Zin. Right. I mean, Zinfandel in Paso, world-class Zin, these people have been getting it from, and that maybe don't even live here and don't even make it, like that aren't home winemakers like like Ben called you. They've been, right. they've been on it for a long time. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I know uh, Dick Surrett sold uh, grapes to, to uh, Kent Rosenblum for years and years. And yeah. In fact, we bought grapes from him a uh, year, you know, even before that. And, and I think that, that other uh, individuals that I know that were in the business uh, kind of cutting their teeth and, and working with, with, with Zimpendale were, were really excited when they could source some really great fruit from this area. So take me to some of those early days. You, uh, you meet up with Kent Rosenblum. You guys are touring the country, the world. I mean, you went all over the world with him to not only share the the love of Zinfandel, but to share the love of this new, what would be a world-class wine-growing region, Paso Robles. Well, it, it, uh, it, part of that was right time, right place. You know, Zinfandel had really fallen out of favor uh, in the, the 70s. Um, high alcohols, not a lot of structure. Uh, people were, you know, uh, California was uh, Cabernet and Chardonnay. And, and in fact, those were the, the grapes that, at the time that I was getting involved, those were the most heavily planted grapes. They had taken over from, from the original, from the Pizzenis, from the Doozies, from the Martinellis and Raffinelli, another area. The guys that I thought uh, that I met through Zap, which was Zimpendel Advocates and Producers, um, were, were having a good time. Uh, we're making some really fun wines. We're also making a lot of affordable wines. 
uh, at the time, uh, which got my attention. And we had, you know, resources here that, that I felt would, would allow us to do that. And, and so with their encouragement and their mentoring, we, you know, built our program up to where, you know, I think we currently release uh, nine different Zinfandels, if you include the West Side and the Incredible Red. And the, the majority of those nine are obviously ultra premium, hard to find, go primarily to the wine club. And but I think that really falls into to what Josh and Jake are doing and their focus now, uh, you know, with, with that particular varietal. And you talk about them. the variety of Zin and how it, like, well, you know, be on hard times. And this is a variety, unlike any other one, that, that is cyclical. And sometimes it's a little bit like, you know, a tough time. Sometimes it's feeling itself and people are feeling it. The last time we had Zappi a year ago, I was talking to Gus Gamba about what we called Zin Respect. And you start to see a lot more people. And I think you guys did this in, in Paso with your black labels, like the Old Bailey, the Vortex. I mean, some of these single vineyard specifications and expressions of Zin. What is it about Zin that has it so either people are just feeling it and, and, and it's on or it's always up and down? It's, it's always up and down and, and, uh, and it has a tendency to come back. Mm-hmm. I oh. think that uh, we're looking for that, that next opportunity right now. That's I think it's I'm, there. I'm, I think I'm we're glad. in the middle of it, it being, I mean, especially the last time we were at Zap, you see these so many thoughtful Zins. I mean, it's really cool. There you go. We're, we're really proud of the fact that, that in the... the the Pastor Robles AVA, I've always felt we were one of the standouts as, as far as a Zen producer. And we've stayed with that that program. We've stayed with our style uh, and tried to make the wine better every year. And, and I think we're, we're going to fall into that next cycle. We got in when, when it took off again, you know, in the, in the, uh, the uh, early 90s. The late late '80s, it was just starting to get a little little bit of interest, and then the early '90s, and and the, and the two of the real pioneers in in that movement were Kent Rosenblum, Rosenblum Sellers, and Joel Peterson from Ravenswood, and and they they were always uh, very helpful, very encouraging, and they they took uh, Zinfandel to to I think that next level. You you know I don't think you're going to see a, a very much. Uh, Zinfandel out there at two or three hundred dollars a bottle, where we'll find cabs or we'll find some Bordeaux or or other particular standouts. However, we're seeing you know a gradual improvement in the price as production tends to go down a little bit, and so we're we're staying with it. We're real proud of it. Uh, we never, when high alcohol uh, uh, wines Zinfandel became popular again, uh, that's what brought it back after the fall in the '90s, and then it came up. We never got onto that. We never tried to over oak our wines or or add a lot of residual sugar to mask those high alcohols. And I think we're still getting the same flavor profile. And I think that's why we're still here instead of always going after that brass ring, you know, like you see on the merry-go-round. Yeah. We tried to to be consistent. We tried to offer quality and we tried to to meet the needs of the public and, and, and find what they're looking for in our particular situation. Josh, let me ask you, because obviously Peachy's is in-house, Ben is in-house, but I mean, to not pay attention and read the room in Paso, especially after, you know, the Rhone explosion and people making, you know, big Bordeaux and stuff too. I know both you and Jake have your ear to the pavement and you're like, hey, like, I mean, we have the ability, we've got great world-class vineyards, we can grow and be popular for more than just Zin. Yeah, absolutely. We are definitely dabbling in some other things besides Zen. We're definitely have evolved in doing Zen blends as well. Um, in the last ten years, especially, I think as we've seen the quality of wines 
you know, surpassing what I thought would ever happen, even in my short time in Paso, with the the critics and the world, you know, recognition on the wine movement. Jake and I, you know, when I guess it goes back to even chronic, you know, you kind of have to, that's where we really dabbled in that changing and trying new things. And we just started getting kind of crazy and blending and, and saw this, there was all, there's so many good things that come out of Paso and then coming back to Peachy and bringing back some of those other varietals that we had worked with. And we had planted, you know, 10 years ago, we started planting all the dry farms, 10 plus years of all the dry farm around here at Mustang Springs where we were sitting and we threw in some, you know, Syrah, Grenache, Mauved, Carignan, Cunoise, Petite Syrah and stuff. And they really lend themselves to Zinfandel, but I, we also saw what other people were doing with those roans. So we said, we got it. As much as we were, we're going to always hang our hat on Zinfandel, we still have to be a part of the movement as well, which because there's a bigger picture to it and to stay on the forefront we need to be able to have that for our customers and for the people that come to visit us as well. Not everybody's going to stop by our tasting room and only want Zin. They're going to say, well, you guys do Zin really well. What else can you do? Yeah. Well, we can do Rhones and we yeah. can do Bordeaux. And I've been a fan of your Malbec for years. Oh, my gosh. We have, I think we're the one of the only few people I've ever heard of on the planet that have dry farm head pruned Malbec. And uh, into it, a single bottle of it. Yeah, and do a single bottle. It's not the easiest in, you know way to farm, but it, the quality is phenomenal. And now we have two of our estates that have Malbec planted, and it's, they're unreal. Talk about the wine that you set up today. So today is super exciting. I mean, this is something that, to paint a picture, Peachy has been in its days affiliated with Zap, in which we still are. They've created the heritage block, you know, you know a, a long story short, they created the heritage block up at the UC Davis station, where Zap went around to the, all the oldest Zinfandel vineyards they could find in California, and, if, and, and all of them had to be considered old vine which we everybody was on board considered 100 years or and or older and we said as a group we need to preserve Zinfandel so let's take cuttings from all of these and let's see what they're all about let's see if they're all different if they're the same if one matches up let's kick it out if and as long as it's virus free and two things it was preservation and then also trying to go back and create more knowledge on the history of Zinfandel and where it came from and, you know, and, and that side of the story. But after they took all those 200 and some cuttings from different vineyards, they narrowed it down to 18 to where there were different actual clones that had actual different DNA makeup. And ourselves and Ridge and Ravenswood said that we want to take the project further than just having these planted at UC Davis at the Ophiel station. We all agreed to do a one acre plot at our estates and plant them the same, plant the, the one acre in this strategic graph so that the clones were spread all over the acre and not just side by side um, because there is variation even in an acre of land. And we did that I don't even know how long we ago we planted the D block. It, it's been ten well, plus yeah, 15, fifteen years ago. Years. We planted our one acre at Peachy. We planted all the clones. We made and then we started to f- get fruit from that. We, we there were only having the one acre. There was just enough to make two barrels every year. So Jake and my dad and I decided that hey, we we, we want to take this pr- project even further. We collected more wood and we did another larger planting of the D block essentially and moved it to our schoolhouse, propagated all those different clones. And now we were able to make multiple barrels of every clone. And we've, 
here we are today with the first time ever in the 2019 vintage to where we were able to make 13 of the clones individually in so we could taste them and see what they're really like. Because before we had our D-Block, which is a phenomenal 50 to 70 cases, depending on the vintage, but it's all the clones together. Now we can see what are those individual clones offered to that blend. Wow. And we can take them, taste them side by side. And today we have all 13. And we prop, we plant, that planting is over at our old schoolhouse vineyard on 46 at the tasting room. And those 13, is plus the others, but there wasn't enough of those, essentially are going to make up our 2019 old schoolhouses in Vendel. God, this is almost like an encyclopedia. Yeah, I know. And on the a, ledge behind us. So, yeah, and all the clones, you know, we have clones from Alameda, clones from Mendocino, clones from Sonoma, clones from San Luis County. And it's, it's really amazing because they are different. The cane thicknesses are different. The berry size is different. The color is different. Flavor is different. And to see what they all offered to that D-Block wine, I mean, we've already tried the first wine, the Alameda, and now we've gotten into the first Mendo. You can tell the color difference. Totally the name of that Alameda yeah. was, these are, we pulled these from the barrels this summer, and they've just been sitting in bottle. They're unfined, unfiltered. They're just here to see what they're all about. You know, you're very familiar with Paso Wine, Skyler. You're obviously familiar here uh, with the Peachy Canyon story. What was it about not only the history of Peachy Canyon that made um, the recent Paso Robles Wine Country Alliance a designation of the Becketts as uh, the Wine Country Persons of the Year I important to you as someone who works? Works at Peachy, you know, in, in a broad scale, but also just watching Jake and Josh kind of take that torch and those reins and do what they're doing with it. That's interesting. I always seem to find myself in projects that are getting ready for a big, a big change. And here, certainly, one of the things that was most exciting, uh, besides the fact that Jake and Josh called me and offered me a, a, a life raft, um, was the fact that there was the passing of the torch between, you know, what I kind of myself referred to as peachy 1.0 and peachy 2.0 um it, there's so much dynamic activity going on when you have you know a generation moving and not to say that you move completely away from from your roots but you know it's kind of like moving from atlanta to los angeles you know you gotta you gotta reinvent yourself a little bit and it that, it's not every every year that you have that that opportunity and i think that uh, probably the One Country Alliance appreciated and saw that this was a really great time to acknowledge a family as opposed to a person um, and and to acknowledge uh, Doug and Nancy as they transitioned to kind of more of a retirement place. And certainly, I think that the boys, you know, brothers, um, I think that the fact that they, they, they started and made successful chronic sellers um, gave them a lot of street cred with people as opposed to just two guys that grow up in a, in a family and, you know, are, are, are maybe just lucky. It's like they proved that they weren't just lucky. They also had, you know, their own acumen, their own ideas, their own creative, creative minds. So I just think that it's, uh, I think it was really appropriate. I think that um, people in our community, especially people that have been here a long time, know one another really well you know whether it's the hosses or the hopes or you know the sales i mean it's like people have been here a long time and they probably just said hey you know i think that it's 
we we might have overlooked a family that we should have looked at before, but this is a great time to do it. So Peachy Canyon was the first winery in Paso to make the Wine Spectator magazine's top 100 wines in the world. A founding member of, of ZAP, the nonprofit organization that we we mentioned, you're a founding member of ZAP. Also, uh, you were, the, I think, the first president, uh, the first local winery to have been sold in all 50 states. Of course, the, you know, known for your philanthropy, especially for the performance arts. Does this? Oh man, we're picking up a pretty big torch. <laughs> like we, we better not at this one up. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's definitely um, some shoes to fill, but I think we've, because Jake and I came back at such a young age, we kind of delved in and followed the footsteps earlier on than if we would have just started two years ago. You know, Jake and I have both been board members at Zap. We've both had different jobs besides the winery. We've both sat on boards or and been affiliated with other organizations. We've both done our own thing as well. And at the same time, I think, you know, one of the harder things is because is to follow in the footsteps as my mom because everybody loves her and she's like one of the nicest people on the planet. So that's gonna that's a hard one to fill. What, yeah. are, you, what are you suggesting? Uh, that, uh, <laughs> I got. We already. Me, not, I'm not the love bug in this right. family. <laughs> we got the work bug in you. We got the love bug in my mom. So you know, but you know, she's. Uh, they're both you know definitely hard shoes to fill, but I think we've had great led they led by great example so it wasn't things that were out of reach or out of touch they were realistic things that they were doing that i think a lot of people could do if they were willing to put their time and energy into doing them then you know it was all possible you know it it goes back to parenting in all honesty it's a drift a little drift from the winery but nance and i were both former school teachers in san diego we we worked with kids we saw successful kids and we saw kids fail and and it was important to us from the time they were little uh, and until they took over the winery that they had they had a work ethic that they had the self respect that I think you need in order to gain the respect from others and they earned that the uh, uh, I I was so excited with uh, with Chronic Sellers uh, because it it was so successful so unique and it, and it was out of the box. And, and we started seeing copies come along. We started seeing similar labels and similar, you know, little subtle innuendos, which I always took as a compliment. But they really pulled that off on their own. And we also felt that as the business grew, that it was very, very important that people understand that, that uh, Nancy and I just don't give stuff away and that the winery uh, was not a gift to Josh and Jake. It was something that they earned from the time they were young, working in the vineyard, whether it was hoeing in the vineyard as punishment or, or doing it to make a couple of extra bucks, it didn't matter. But they started from the beginning uh, when, when they went off to school. Uh, they picked up a big part of their own education. I, I remember one of our employees once asked me, you know, how, how, how much it costs to send the boys to school. I said, well, I don't know. They paid for most of it. They got student loans. You know, we helped them out a little each year. They both had jobs all through college. They, they didn't just, you know, sit and party in Yahoo and then come back and say, where's my winery? And are respected for that. I think Paso is so good at instilling this. And obviously, like, I think Doug made a great point with parenting. But I remember, I mean, we had just known each other probably a couple months, if not less than that, when I went up to my first Zap. 
you know, and this is like at the concourse, mm-hmm. and it's like they hand you a bottle of water and a baguette and be like, don't die. Like, go ahead. You know, it's just like <laughs> you're in this airplane hangar full of Zen, and it's like, it's chaotic. And I, we're trying to do an interview. We're trying to position ourselves, get known by this organization so that we can come back. And now it's like when, when Zap comes, they have a, a table for us, a cork dork sign. We just feel so welcomed and like we've, we've earned a spot there. But I remember the first year, and it just really goes back to this theme that I think gets hit more on this podcast than any other theme. And that's the people of Paso. I mean, like, I didn't really know anybody. And you guys walk me around, and you're like, hey, here's Gus Gamba. Uh, here's the real Joel Peterson. You didn't even yeah. know that. <laughs> we, have, we have our Joel Peterson. There's a real Joel. Pe- no offense to Joel Peterson. Right. There's a real Joel Peterson up here. It's the first time I met Kent Rosenblum yep. or all of these guys. And people ask. It was that fun. Was, and it's scary, it seems like, yesterday. But that was you <laughs> breaking off a piece of, like, this this heart and this piece of Paso that I've become so infatuated with, to me, knowing me like a month or so, I'll be like, hey, let me introduce you. Let me get you around. The people of Paso are a very, very special ingredient to why this all works the way it does. It is what makes Paso so yeah. special. It is. And it's, to this day, I mean, we have people from all over the world coming here, and we have some of the, I mean, Robert Parker, just their latest wine review is on one Paso winery. You know, and, and but to have that much recognition coming to Paso, but then to be able to call that guy up and be like, "Hey, Justin, can you? I need a favor. Can you do that for me?" Sure, come on over. It's like that. That doesn't happen in other wine industries around the world. You don't share equipment. You don't share ideas. You don't share the love because it's so competitive or so. We got to keep our secrets, and because it's all about us. But we're here. It's it's. All about us means all about Paso. It was two years ago, Jake and I did a very substantial deal with a, I won't name, a grocery chain that was going to move a lot of boxes for us. And we were trying to put together this deal. For and Chronic or for Peachy? Peachy. Yeah. And it was, you know, 7,000 cases, in, which is a lot of wine in one deal. And, the, <laughs> and it was a lot of reviews and a lot of going back and forth with the head buyer of this national chain. And the one thing that this guy wanted to do was, hey, I want to, I want to go barrel tasting at so-and-so's. Justin Smith doesn't have a tasting room. Justin Smith has an allocated wine club that is, I think it's still more than five years, if not longer, still waiting list. And I call, you know, was able to call him up as a friend and as a Paso colleague and somebody that has getting more clout than anybody and say, hey, I need a favor. When? Yeah, sure. that's cool. Anytime. Bring He's him over. He's great at that. And I was like, holy, I mean, he doesn't have to, he doesn't no. owe me anything. You know, no. he does whatever he wants, but that's Paso still, and that's that's how special it is. And with that, I think it's why it's taking a young wine region and catapulted it to a level in such a short amount of time. You know, obviously, the wines and the vineyards have gotten better, but the people here, too, and the people are welcoming for more people to come and for people to travel and taste and enjoy. And so not only are the wineries benefiting, but the restaurants and the hotels and everybody. And it's one big, huge family that keeps Paso so special. How much did you have to embody that idea? Well, like, Peachy King is not going to succeed if Paso doesn't succeed. It's just a reality. Uh, we, we have to go hand in hand. You can't, you can't take a region and have one... Uh, you know, one one blossom and and a bunch of weeds. <laughs> you know, one flower and weeds. So it it was critical, and we realized that uh, when we when we first got involved, we wanted to grow our wines. I remember in the '80s taking wine to China, a Paso Robles wine to China, and and because I thought, boy, if we 
you know, why not? You know, there's a there's a lot of people there. I've got a, a relatively I heard, in, heard there's a lot of people over there. <laughs> got a relatively inexpensive wine and right. and and I want to go and 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 but I but I've I, there's been others uh, that have done the same thing and that have carried the brand and have been very proud and and made a difference for Paso Robles. But you couldn't do it with, without, and I could run down a list of names. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Justin as a great example because people just assume that, you know, here's this overnight success. Well, Justin had years of making wine uh, before he popped, and he, and he grew up in a vineyard before he popped. And his, his dad came from San Diego, J- just for a, a, very similar to Nancy and myself, for a, for a different way of life and a different place to grow and to raise his family. It's got to be fun to watch that new guard become of something, because I was talking to Justin Baldwin about this, like, you know, he's way out there on Chimney Rock Road, and early 80s, you, he, not many, not much... Art Norman was the other one, right. and and then the uh, Adelaide Cellars was the fourth, and that was the Far Out Wineries. We were the only tasting rooms on the west side of Paso Robles. I think from getting to the 101 to where we are now, or from, like, you know, Justin's sake, getting from the 101 to Chimney Rock Road, how many wineries you'd pass? Probably not a lot, if any. And now to see what are your thoughts when you're driving off the freeway, coming home, and seeing signs for this, that, the other. I mean, you pass Adelaide on the way over here. Adelaide is its own little rodeo. Vineyard Drive is its own little rodeo drive. I mean, I can't imagine from someone with the history that you have and the, the pioneership that you've lent to this area, what it must feel like to see where it's come. It's it's exciting. It's a it's a real charge. It's fun to be able to be a part of that from the beginning, and not everybody can say that. In that respect, I don't think I would have it any other way. Yeah, you know, we're we're like any community. We've had our ups and downs, and we're like any uh, you know business with uh, relating to other business. We've had ups and downs, but like Josh pointed out, and I know Jake could hitchhike. If I needed something today, and I'm retired, I could I could go to any winery, and they would give it to me. Mm-hmm. And Josh and Jake could do the same thing. And that's what makes Paso really beautiful. Paso is such a, a, a friendly place where, where people help each other. And you come to our tasting room and, and you want a reservation in a, in, a, in a restaurant, you know, we'll make it for you. Or you want to know if we can get you in over at, over at Epic, we'll make a phone call for you. People come to Paso from other places, just tourists, and they're attracted to it. You know, it has a good texture. It feels good. People are friendly. The stores are friendly. The restaurants are great. Downtown's cute. The restaurant tours are generally people that were very successful in large metropolitan areas. And like the Becketts and, and, and so many others, you know, came here because they wanted a different a different type of environment to raise their children and to work. And so, I don't know, it's a dynamic that is special and precious and i just hope that as we continue to grow as an area we continue to be successful in imbuing those that adopt this as their home uh, to have that that same texture in their life obviously coming out of 2020 i mean i feel like the two of you along with skylar and your team you hit the ground running in 2020 but then you had the wind at your front because of a lot of everything going on with covid so when when that does kind of lift and you have more ability to maneuver and and do what you want to do what does that look like for peachy maintain who what peachy was as a brand as in-house doing other varietals as well but we wanted to reduce our production and focus on our estates you know on our five vineyards three in adelaide one in willow creek one in templeton gap we wanted to 
focus on our broad market distribution, which Jake and Skylar can you know chime in on. Not trying to be everywhere, but be in those thoughtfully markets. where you want to be. Yeah. Right. We wanted to focus on our DTC program and sales and the wines that are going to those programs, and really, and then. COVID, you know, it's it kind of has forced our hand to even do better. Like some of these are, we, I, we are all about taking, you know, making this, you know, blessing in disguise. You know, it really forced us to focus on the taste room, like Skylar alluded to, and focus on our the lawn and the outdoor seating that we have, and focus on a real, a more personal experience with our tasting room and the people that come in to visit us, and focus on spending more time with our team and our tasting room as well. You know, Jake's been over at the tasting room more this year than all probably the last 15 years, you know, very easily going over there more, you know. And so it's, I think our future is more, uh, more direct, more personal, more high end. Deliberate. More, yeah, more in more focused and doing better for the wine, but also doing better for our people, doing better for our team. Jake and I both have finally, it's taken a long time, like, you know, we can't, change and solve all the problems and we can't force the hand like let's appreciate what we have today and let's you know capitalize on the unique moment that we've been given with having our own fruit and having our own winery and having you know not everybody has that no. there's a lot of you know all of our friends down in tin city where you know that is a i love those wines and the, what they're doing down there but that's not always easy to have you know your winery in somebody else's building yeah or, or, or sourcing that space, contract for fruit sourcing that contract for fruit and having that grower uh, tell you about you smoke out. yeah yeah, or tell, yeah you're not like you don't get it anymore right or stuff like that and like those right. are serious problems that people have to deal with every vintage and every day and so to take what we have and you know appreciate it and and then capitalize on it and i yeah. think is kind of what i'm alluding to is just you know putting our best foot forward and you know making the best line yeah i can. like that doing it direct jake what do you think yeah i mean the covid situation has sped up our agenda you know we had this vision that was going to take several years and it changed real quick and we had already started making like kind of the silver lining that we saw we had already started making moves to become a smaller in-house high-end but still offer affordable wines hands-on um, experience driven uh, winery and tasting room where we're interacting with the customers more and we had started making those steps and it's fortunate that we did because uh, had we bought as much fruit as we used to in the past because part of it was being all estate so we weren't going to buy as much but had we bought as much, had we not made that decision before getting hit with this, it would have been really tough because the broad market sales has, has been difficult, you know, like, and especially since you can't get out in the market. And a brand like, like Peachy or the majority of the brands around here that are in distribution, the way they stay relevant in distribution is by going out there and shaking hands and high-fiving and hugging people and all those things we can't do right now. And... Had we bought all the grapes, we still would have had to make the wine, and we had bulked out some juice in an effort to kind of reduce production and focus on the, the small production. So, I mean, 2.0 has been interesting because we got we were sort of on the way, and then it like everything's stopped, you know. And so the other the, plans, the tasting room, sure. you know, I was back to just taking. Now I'm, I'm the delivery guy. I take the wines to the tasting room. I love doing it. That means we're selling wine. Yeah. Send me orders anytime you want, guys. You know, I'm always telling the tasting room, like, I'll bring it over right now. Yeah. Yeah. You want two bottles? You want 20 cases? Whatever. So I don't know. The next move has kind of been delivered to us right here. 
you want to just be at your tasting room, do it. And then, of course, tasting rooms, you know, is a whole nother thing now that we can't quite run them the way we wanted to. However, the world sort of, the universe was listening to us. I feel like, obviously, this happened to everyone, but I feel like, wow, we're kind of on the right track. This is sort of a... Uh, serendipitous. And it yeah. was, it was hard too because there were a lot of vineyards and a lot of growers that we'd worked with for a long time. Great fruit. And unreal fruit. But it was just like we, we had to, like, this is our new focus and this is our new program. And un- unfortunately, like, if Jake would have and I would have said we were taking it, we would have honored it, this harvest, and not needed it. No, with what happened, and and we are so lucky that we would have been like I don't know what we would have done with all of it. I have no idea. <laughs> well, it's it, it's been a thirty year plan. Our our goal at one point we were approaching a hundred thousand cases. That was my goal. I thought that's my magic number. I I can tell you what my company will be worth, and yada yada yada. In in a market, you know, that's a hard sell, Zinfandel, and so with the boys making a decision early in the last few years we were able to go to some of our growers of which we used to spend over a million dollars a year on grapes to where we are today we don't spend anything on grapes because we have over 100 plus acres of our own planted but it it was a it was a process it was as it, it was as challenging a business to get small as it was to get big isn't that interesting and i think josh and jake by getting the the production to a level that they want, that they will be putting themselves in a position to where every time they release a wine, it's gone because the demand is going to continue to increase. And that's certainly been our goal. As old as this brand is, there are people that are wine buyers in stores and restaurants around the country that weren't born when Peachy Canyon came sure. about, right? Good point, good point. So you have people that you're going back to that are familiar with the brand and there's people that have never heard of you. And it's so it's always fresh. Um, I'm in contact and communication with a lot of my long-term friends and professionals in the distribution business because, uh, as Jake said, it's like we're used to making placements and selling wine by going out there and hugging babies and shaking hands. And when for a family-owned winery, uh, that's that's it. And and getting in a car with a sales rep and spending a day charming them so that they think about you 364 days in the future until you're riding with them again. I've been in this business for 30 years and, and, and sold a lot of wine. And the only way that I know how to do it is by by creating relationships and, and, and making making good impressions. That I love that you make said them that. Come back to you. Creating relationships. It's so important. It's far beyond. I was doing a talk at a, a Cal Poly it was an ad communications class and just through, through the questions of the students there and it was like building relationships is so much more important than just networking it's not about keeping a business card and having that ready but building real connections and relationships to people i think that's a really good point you're good at that i think it's awesome that you're here it's something that you've always been really good at and i've always been really i've always kind of admired your ability to do that you know this uh when i came to peachy canyon a little over a year ago, one of my friends, April, her reaction was, oh, that's awesome. You know, I've known Jake and Josh since I was you know, in school, and they're really, really nice people. And she was right. They're 
really nice people. The whole family is really nice, and it's uh, it's a pretty nice place to slide into. This has been a, a lot of fun. Doug, did you have fun with this conversation? I got to make sure that you're impressed by me. Um, I, I have been for years. You know, I, I mean, we, we've, we've cleaned up the floor together a couple of times. True that. True that. I love seeing you at concerts, kind of hang out a little bit. Love and that's a- legal now, isn't it? <laughs> Indeed. Oh, it is so much fun to be up here, too. And, like, uh, just to hang out and to have... Um, to have both Jake and Josh here uh, with you, Doug. But also, I, I really wanted to have uh, Skyler here because you guys aren't afraid of, you know, ex- expressing and, and showing what you guys do off well. But uh, I think Skyler is um, really good at, like, you know, he, he can gush like I can about you and, and be a good ambassador to, to the family and to what you guys do here. And I know you guys are, are, are too humble to go as, as deep as, as both he and I can about you guys. I just think that the family is so awesome. I love both, you know, Jake and Josh and Nancy's always been super sweet. I remember we did a, we were doing um something for her dance charity and Jake went to college with Brett Denon and pretty soon we're up here in the backyard right where we're sitting now eating Brent showed up. sushi with <laughs> Brett Denon and it's just like we just I've had so many fun memories from San Francisco with this fool and you like I mean we've had, it's just it's really fun to be here and I can't thank you enough for for the conversation and sharing I mean with this podcast is called where wine takes you and to see where it's taken every person here from you know Doug from the early Pat Wheeler to buy days to Jake and Josh coming back. Oh, we're putting a new POS system. Oh, we got chronic sellers, Dad. We're going to be doing this. And to Skyler and his whole situation. I mean, where wine takes you is such a an illustrative point to to a lot more than just uh, Paso, which mm-hmm. is where wine has taken all of us. But the, the journey on the way, I mean, how cool is it? Yeah. With um, going back to Sky and I, Sky, I think Sky and I met in an aquarium in Atlanta, Georgia. <laughs> I think that's where we first met. Yeah, randomly. Because we were both there meeting up with our new distributors when Skyler's with Halter Ranch. And I was that's doing chronic. Skyler. I think I was doing chronic at yeah. the time. And um, we were out there, and it's just been, it, yeah, wine has taken us a ton of places. And then, you know, me uh, talking to uh, another winemaker, hey, I know somebody who's, you know, might not be enjoying his commute to work right now. And so I called up Skyler and I was like, I feeling like this kind of dire straits feeling at the time. We're going through a lot of transition here at Peachy. And it was like, I need, we need somebody. We need that person. Like, like you were just saying that Skyler is. So it was, it was awesome that I called him and he's like, how'd you get my number? And I was like, it's on the internet. And so <laughs> we, we chatted it up and we went back and forth for a while. And we spent several months talking and stuff. And, and then, you know, our relationship the last year has just turned into, oh, you're a foodie? I'm a foodie, too. You know, we're both totally different styles with a lot of similarities, which has been really fun. So the wine, you know, wine has taken us a lot of places from meeting on the East Coast to living in A-Town and P-Town, you know, and, and then now getting to work together and trying to figure out how to how to recreate ourselves. And, and uh, it's, you know, it's really nice to have Skylar on our team. I've always been taken by Skylar because he's very deliberate in his delivery. And I always feel there's like, like there's a ton more going on in his head that you might not be privy to. I love your style, Skylar. I think you got some good, you got some, not to be super metrosexual on you, but uh, <laughs> you got some good style. And no, we, we hung out at, at World of Pino. We had a blast. So I think he's a great addition. And I think... Um, he definitely brings brings a little class to Jake and I's attire. For sure. <laughs> yeah. It's nice. Buffers we, it. we have been known as the dirt bags for a long time. <laughs> hey, let's do let's go back old school like we did ten years ago. Let's play the wine game. 
Okay. Real quick. Okay. Oh, so do you remember the wine game, Doug? Okay, so the wine game super simple. We're going to go in a clockwise fashion. Uh, we're just going to name uh, Paso wineries. And uh, the thing is, you just can't repeat one that's already been said or um, pause longer than three seconds. Now, I know that you and Skyler are kind of sharing the mic, Doug, so give it to him, then he'll just hand it back and forth, and Skyler, you'll watch when it gets around to you. So why don't... Um, why don't we start with my left? So, Jake, here we go. We're just going to name Paso Wineries. Start the music. Here we go. Eclipse. Epic. Halter. Desperada. Justin. Peachy. Justin Winery, by the way. Yeah. Peachy. Oh, there you go. Niner. Calcarius. Grey Wolf. Uh, how about um, Paso Terre? Vines on the Merry Crest. Denner. J. Lore. Well, there you go. Booker. Um, Austin Hope. Saxon. We're all such Farms. Tobin James. Torin. Eberly. Law. Did we say Austin Hope? I did. You're out. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Skyler, first one out. We got Doug next. Go ahead. I remember what we said. I know that's that's the fun part. Name of the game. a woman, any woman. Yeah, Name yeah, yeah. A woman. <laughs> I love this. I love that video. I just Me saw too. that. That's great. Name any woman. Hey, go what? ahead. Want me to give you one? I'll give you one. Villa Ridge. Okay, go ahead. Zaneda. Villa San Juliet. Ernest Hemingway. That's a what? That's a wire. Wow. In Paso. Okay, there you go. Uh, my fiance works there. Oh, Turley. Oh, you just took my. Go ahead. Uh, Lene Colado. Uh, Midnight. Graveyard. Uh, Pazeni. Benham. Kosalin. Third level? Third. Oh, what is uh, Norm Benson? Level three. three. Okay. Go ahead. Um, I don't feel Doug's going to go much longer. Okay, that's three seconds. I want to. I want to. You're 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 the <laughs> yeah, patriarch. I want to give you more time. I want to cheat for you, yeah. but I, I was I was gonna have a, a cheap one too. Uh, uh, Brian Denner. No, no, <laughs> Brian Benson. Brian Benson Sellers. Oh, We're drinking out of his glasses. I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. All right, very good. Uh, Aaron. Oh, good. Desperada. I already said it. Shut up! Did you really? Yeah. Shoot! Man, I was going to win this one! <laughs> Damn! Okay, so it's literally Pear, to Jake and Josh. Pear Valley. Kaliza. Railsnap. Darkstar. York Mountain. Is that still happening? Well, he's up his It's fine. Turtle Rock. Wild Horse. Um, Herman Story. Mark Adams. What's his? Gotta find it. Yeah. Shoot. I don't remember. So let's just go with um, Herman's story. Just said it. Yeah. Shoot. Oh, oh the yeah. king of the wine game <laughs> is Josh. You're thinking of Ledge. Ledge. You were thinking of Ledge. Sorry, Mark. All right. Let's it was getting tight. I was tell like, him oh, what he's won. I was having to. I was having to pick a road. So like, pick a road. Focus and that's on funny because some people will do like if I hear like when you said Ben, I'm yep. like, oh, Guillaume Closelin. Some people go regional and go when I was you say, say Jacob Toft when you said Ben, I'm me over to Tin City. And then he it. said something and made me think of like that part of like Oakdale and West. I was gonna think Pelletieri. So yeah, I sometimes try and think regional. I try and think like you gotta let. Uh, this is what's fun about this game. It's it's easy but not 
you it's, know? I can, now I'm like, but, perish, Alta Kalina. Yeah, I can go through right. all of them. Thatcher Winery. Yeah. You know? like, <laughs> seriously, why did I say all that? I should have gone for 15 minutes. I know, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it always makes you feel stupid. <laughs> I love it. Well, I can't tell you, thank you so much. Um, PeachyCanyon.com is the website. If you're listening to this and you want to make Peachy Canyon um, a stop when you come back and visit again, what is the best way? It's just log on to the website. We're doing, are we doing any tastings now? I guess we're not. We cannot do service, right? So, okay. which means we don't open bottles. You're welcome to purchase a bottle. Sure, and you can okay. come in. So we offer, I think, twenty percent uh, uh, as far great. as retail. Yeah, you know, so you can you can buy also um, to go where Tastings. we the entire yeah. flight is already set up for you, oh, wow. but you're on your own. But you get to pick up the entire. You know, portfolio of wines. Thanks for rolling with and us, man. I mean, I know our leadership has been tough. It's hard to figure out what's what and where's where. But, man, for people who love Paso Wine, love Peachy Canyon, um, or, or, or any other brand, like, you guys have been so good at, like, get, let, just, letting yeah. us, give, keeping that access yes. to us. Yes. Roll to. With the punches. Well, you know, but it, but it goes hand in hand, and you've been a real asset for the industry uh, in Paso. Oh, thanks, Doug. I don't, I, don't, I don't think you get enough attaboys. Uh, and you certainly deserve it. Uh, I, one of the reasons why we're still strong is that, that you've made these contacts. You keep bringing up the wineries year after year, and, and I think you've, you've been a direct uh, asset, and uh, I appreciate it very much. We go back quite a few years, and yeah, you do. and the boys do too. Well, I will so, certainly take that from a Doug Beckett. That means yeah. a lot, and we've had a lot of fun times together. Josh, Jake, Doug, Skyler, to wine persons of the year the beckett family to a legendary and pioneering winery that is just still kicking ass and taking as many names as it did since the early 80s cheers to peachy canyon cheers Cheers. i love this thanks for sharing where wine takes you thank you for having us give me that sound we'll get by we pass on around till the job is camped out in the trees it will simplify good company Wow, wow, wow. So thankful to Doug Beckett, also Josh, Jake, and Skyler for a great conversation. we got to do more of that wine game, too. Wasn't that a blast? So excited to see where wine has taken them and excited to find out when it will take you to Paso next. Please visit PasoWine.com for any and all things Paso, and it is a must-visit when you are planning your next trip to Paso Wine Country. In addition to rate, reviewing, and subscribing to the podcast, you can also email me direct at podcast at PasoWine.com. Look forward to chatting with you, already getting some great letters and stories in here. Speaking of stories, have some great ones to share with you coming up. Looking at the names and looking at some of these brands, some you know, some you may not, I cannot wait to share. We are hitting the ground running in 2021, and I'm stoked you are here for the ride. Where Wine Takes You is executive produced by Joel Peterson and the Paso Robles Wine Country Alliance, associate producer Jen Bravo, and the podcast is recorded, edited, and produced by yours truly. Original music by Moonshiner Collective. I'm your host, Adam Montiel. Next time you're cruising the Central Coast, you can tune me in on your radio or your smartphone for that matter. I have a morning show called Up and Adam in the Morning on Coast 104.5. And the wine stuff you will hear on The Crush 92.5. Where Wine Takes You is more than just the name of our podcast, but it is the path, the journey, the pit stops even. So until next time, be well, be mindful, 
and enjoy where wine takes you. Cheers. And give me that passion. Give all and pass on down till the job is camped out in the trees. It will simplify and work come. Give me that moonshine. Give all and pass on down till the job is camped out in the trees. It will simplify and work come. Give me that moonshine. Give all and pass on down till the job is in the trees you will simplify in good company when that moonshine will get by we pass on round till the job is dry camped out in the trees you will simplify in good company